Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We are here. Aiming to please. Hopefully we are. Good stuff. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. You want to find us, uh, feel free. Go ahead and do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Joining us now on the hotline, our guy Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Mike is here. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back on. Okay, I'm uh, going to ask you about all the crappy rumors that are floating around out there. How many threes are the 49ers going to be willing to give up to get Aaron Rodgers, do you think? Well, they got three of them. They're probably going to be willing to give up all that it takes to go get Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, now, it would be hard to imagine them putting together a package that would really entice or that at least yeah. could outbid someone like the Jets in this process. And Gutekunst already said, or the report already was, that he didn't want to go NFC. So that one's right. been- uh, a little far-fetched, if only uh, a nice bargaining chip for them to use. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I just don't think that's uh, that's going to happen. So uh, for all those that are out there, I get it, but it, it's not going to happen. So let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, the conjecture about who's the better quarterback and how Richardson has been on the rise since his pro day and such. And So talk to me about the quarterbacks that are actually in this draft and uh, where you think they are going to go. I think he comes off the board, Stroud one, Young two, and then it's a little bit of a wild card, but I still think Richardson's going three or four. I know the Colts and Chris Ballard with his scouting background and kind of what he's valued over the years is very traits driven. Is very like buys into the high end physical ability and then tries to, you know, trust his coaches to coach him up the way they need to be. And that's Richardson. If there's anyone in NFL history that that is, that's Anthony Richardson. So I expect him to be, uh, the guy for the Colts, if someone doesn't leapfrog them. And then Levis is a wild card. Um, I think kind of the musical chairs of quarterbacks this offseason has left not a lot of needs. You know, there's only so many suitors that actually will pull the trigger on a guy. So I think he could slip. I, I think we could see Levis falling to the teens, maybe into the 20s before he comes off the board. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, the Packers and where they draft. They're sitting at 15 right now. And they have – I have a list of five needs. One is tight end desperately, another wide receiver, a more beef up front alongside Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt. They're probably going to want to add depth in the secondary and possibly an edge rusher until Rashawn Gary comes back. What is going to be there that fills one of those spots, do you feel? I think you're really hoping – the wide receiver tight end, I think that's what you're hoping for. There's a scenario in my mind where – you get your choice of the top guy in this class. One, because I don't think there's a you know, quote-unquote dude at the position. You know, It's not like last year's class where there's some sure things that uh, are going to go early. All these guys kind of have question marks, and tight ends also just like don't go early in general. So uh, I think there's a world where there's a run on offensive tackles before the Packers pick, maybe some corners off the board, and all of a sudden they're sitting there with their pick of wide receiver and tight end. Uh, and, and then I just, you know, Pick the best one. To me, the guys that I would want, you know, who I think they are missing, is a reliable guy. And to me, that's Dalton Kincaid from Utah, the tight end, or Jackson Smith, the Jigba from Ohio State. Uh, you just look at this receiving core with Watson, Dobbs. They are not sure-handed. You know, that's, that's, no one would describe them as such. Whereas Smith and Jigba only like five drops his entire career. I think Dalton Kincaid one drop. Those are guys that third down, crunch time you know they're going to make the play. So that's where I'd lean. But, again, it's a deep tight end class. You can get one in the second round maybe in this class. So 
they're obviously uh, the Packers haven't really addressed wide receiver as early as I thought they were going to the past three years. So you never know what's going to happen. I uh, I wanted to ask you about Darnell Washington because if you go with Njigba in the first round, and I agree with you, I think when you look at his hands and the fact that he doesn't drop the football and he was really, really solid if he had not had that hamstring issue, I actually kind of compare him almost to maybe Jordy Nelson 2.0 because Jordy had incredible hands and was a, a really good route runner. I look at Njigba in that light. Tell me about Darnell Washington because let's just suppose – that he gets out of that first round and falls mid second round. If you could, if you could shore up in Jigba with a wide receiver position and Darnell Washington at the tight end, I would consider that a wildly successful uh, draft for the Packers. Yeah, that's why I almost, if I am the Green Bay Packers, and everyone's making a lot of the 13th overall pick for the Jets, I'd almost rather have 42 and 43 if that's the holdup. If they're debating between those two because of that scenario you just mentioned. I think a guy like Darnell Washington could very easily be on the board in a very deep tight end class there in the second round, and it would really give you a lot of ammunition to address multiple positions in this draft because it got really thin real quick, this roster. So Washington, he's basically, I think the best way to describe it, he's Mercedes Lewis with a jet pack on his back. That you know, you get all those things that Mercedes did, and then he can you know test the seams of a defense. He can actually get behind linebackers and actually get downfield uh, before, you know, the sundial turns an hour ahead. So th- that, to me, is a guy that, you know, you look at uh, LeFleur and what he wants in his offense, that I think they'll covet pretty highly. So the other defenders, I know that Jalen Carter's only talking to teams in the top ten, but I keep thinking about a team like the Packers, that if, by chance, some of their weaponry offensively is not there, boy, Devontae Wyatt, Jalen Carter, and Kenny Clark up front would be a massive, massive defensive front for the Green Bay Packers if Carter would fall, say, down to 15. Yeah, I mean, recreating 2021 Georgia's defense isn't a bad blueprint. Uh, it's the best college <laughs> defense I can remember, you know, since I've been covering football. So, so I wouldn't hate it uh, because he truly is. I mean, there's a reason why I think with all these off-field issues that any other prospect, would be getting massively dinged for, and you'd be, you know, GMs just be like, oh, just stay away. Set day two guy now at this point. There's a reason why everyone's still like, oh, no, he's probably still going somewhere high. It's because that guy's legit. So I, I, I'd be floored if he's on the board there at 15. You, you probably have to have another incident happen from now until the draft for that to happen. Um, let, I, my other question is, what would the pack? Do you see the Packers? The Packers, we've talked about this time and again, three guys that have actually stuck in 25 years coming out of the third round. For whatever the th- reason, the third round has been a massive bugaboo for the Green Bay Packers. Sean Ryan last year drafted third, goes in the PED list. They cut Amari Rodgers from the year before, and everything else has just not panned out. Would you see the Packers trading that third-round draft choice to move up in the draft to get the weapon that they need? Or because they've been so traditional at either staying pat or moving back, uh, albeit the Jordan Love trade, they did jump up to get. But do you think that they're going to be more likely staying back and staying pat, or do you think that maybe they package up a third-round draft choice to get what they want? I think it depends on what they get in return for, for Aaron Rodgers. If they do get multiple picks in return this year's draft, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they moved that third rounder, just because you know there really are only so many spots. And as you mentioned, third round hasn't been super fruitful for them. So. Uh, if they only get one pick or they don't get a pick in return for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think this roster is such that you can really go target one guy. You know, you just need the dudes. You just need to bank on the fact that, uh, you know, past performance doesn't always 
predict future performance in the draft. And, and at 78, it's a little bit higher than where they've traditionally been in the third round. So I, I'd hold on to that one if that's the case. If they have a question on the offensive tackle, was Josh Nyman, because remember, you know, we all know Bakhtiari had the knee issue last year, but at the end of the season played extremely well. Maybe you move Josh Nyman over to the right tackle as a starter. But if you're going to go for a tackle, somebody that can come in and start at the right tackle position right away, is Darnell Wright that guy if he falls to them? He's probably your best bet at, at starting day one right tackle. And truthfully, uh, I don't like a lot of the guys in the class start day one at right tackle outside of him. I, I think a lot of their talented dudes, whether it's Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones, um, but they played one year of football. And that's, that's a little different one year of football in college than in the NFL. You need experience, especially along the offensive line, to play that position at a high level. Darnell Wright, four-year starter. So, uh, either him or Peter Skaronsky, if they're on the board, I, I don't think it would surprise me if they're the pick. I, I think they'd probably trend more towards Skaronsky from their scouting uh, preferences. But I, I think Darnell Wright would tick their boxes as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on Broderick Jones, the big offensive tackle out of Georgia as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a heck of an athlete. The guy's built like, he's built like a uh, tight end that just kept getting bigger. I mean, he is solid as can be. Uh, and one of the most physically imposing tackles in the class. Now, I think they protected him a lot in pass pro. And like I said, he he played off and on in 2021, only this one year as a starter. And when he faced some better rushers, whether it was like B.J. Ojolari from LSU, Isaiah McGuire from Missouri, I thought they kind of got the better of him. And so he's the guy that if you're drafting, you would ideally redshirt or not rely on him to have to be a quality starter year one. Like, I, I trust Zach Tom starting next year at tackle, probably more so than I'd even trust like a Broderick Jones. Um, then I want to go back to uh, uh, the outside linebacking position because we know Rashawn Gary has the knee injury. They need pass rush. Uh, Brian Gutekinds discussed that openly, that the pass rush was not where it needed to be after uh, he ended up going down. Uh, would you bring in a guy like a Nolan Smith maybe as that outside linebacker to be to give you that pass rush if he indeed was still there? Yeah, so if if they don't go wide receiver tight end, if they don't go weapon round one, my bet for where they would pick would be edge. And Nolan Smith, especially Lucas Van Ness, if, if one of those two guys, Miles Murphy, if one of those three is on the board, and again, they're not going wide receiver, I'd put good money. It's going to be one of those three guys because that's just, that's their scouting type is they want high end explosive athletes on the edge. And there's, cause there's only so many of them, you know, that was Rashawn Gary when he came out. Um, that's just what they've done dating back to Nick Perry even was that guy where it's not a polished product, but the guy can get off the line of scrimmage and has some size behind him. Uh, so all three of those guys have ridiculous 10 splits in this year's class. Obviously, Smith's a little lighter than what they've traditionally gone for, but like mm -hmm. Clay Matthews, they were about the same size. So that's that's that realm of outside linebacker that they really don't have on the roster right now. You mentioned Miles Murphy. Give me the lowdown on him. He's the big defensive end out of Clemson. The comp for him, just based off of tape, was Rashawn Gary. I mean, he is 270 pounds, long arms, and can run i mean he ran a four five one at his pro day the, the guy can fly he truly gets off the ball so well but like rashawn gary i mean he just doesn't have a pass rushing move to speak of and that's concerning obviously you would prefer that not to be the case and his 2021 tape truthfully may have been better than his 2022 tape 
um, which is, again, not the way you want a guy to be going. But the good Lord only made so many athletes like that. And as we've seen with Rashawn Gary, you really don't need to be, you know, Nick Bosa with your hands and with your pass rushing moves to make an impact when you're that much of a freak. And so I think there's no real better player for a guy like Miles Murphy to learn from and how to utilize his tools than Rashawn Gary. So he's, he's definitely one of the favorites to go to the Packers with their first round. Um, uh, by the way, we're talking with Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus, uh, at PFF underscore Mike. You can see his stuff there leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, second round, and we talked a little bit about, you know, different players that they might go, different weapons they might go in the, the you know, the avenue of. Luke Musgrave, uh, we, we mentioned him briefly, but uh, the tight end out of Oregon State. Now, you get so much from the kid Mayer out of, uh, out of Notre Dame and some of the other ones that we had mentioned. Talk about Luke Musgrave real quick because he's also projected to be a kind of a second round guy. Yeah, the tight end class is awesome, and would truly surprise me if we're sitting here the Saturday of the draft after day one, day two have gone, and the Packers haven't drafted one, just because there's so many. And Musgrave's another that he's a unique size-speed athlete at the tight end position. You know, ran four six one. I think on tape he's truly even faster than that. 255 pounds, just like built like you would put together a tight end. Now, got hurt this past year, which was his supposed to be his breakout year after two games, had like over 80 yards and a couple touchdowns in those two games and looked like a true playmaker, but then gets hurt. And so you really haven't seen a lot from him just in terms of on the football field getting featured. I think only 56 career, even catchable targets he's had, which is insanely low. I mean, that was five guys in the signing class had more all last season. So uh, really just kind of one of your boomer bust guys, but, but the speed in and of itself at tight end is valuable just because like a lot of tight end routes are overs, crossers, seams, you're not, you don't have to be, you know, Antonio Brown running those. You can just be fast. And so I think that's, he brings an element that's just definitely missing from the tight end position and has been for a while. Mike, always great to talk to you, man. I'm sure we'll get you on just before the draft or maybe right after it to explain what the hell happened because it never goes the way we think (laughs) it's going to go. So we'll talk about it then, but always good, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay. For sure, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Take it easy. Absolutely, pal. Talk to you soon. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. You can see his stuff uh, by reading it. Uh, go to the link uh, on Twitter, at PFF underscore Mike, or just go to PFF.com, and you can read all the draft analysis there. As, uh, you know, all the mock drafts are out. Everybody's kind of talking about it. And, and uh, obviously the Packers uh, need to have a few impact players uh, come out of this draft. So uh, some really good stuff from him. Uh, 877 You want to hit us up? Feel free. Give us a shout. We would love to hear from you. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Steel Tank Brewing. They are right there in Oconomowoc, uh, right behind Exonia Bank, right off of 67. They are open Tuesday through Sunday. And they're, if you follow them on Facebook, the meals and the food and such, it's not just a brewery. It's not just walking in and getting different different craft beers, but the meals and such that they uh, their chef prepares are just out of this world. They have a really good fish fry on Friday nights as well. But the big news is that they are getting uh, ready for uh, the big music venue to open up, and I'm looking forward to that because they're going to really go back to putting in some really good bands in the area. There's there's a lot of good venues, you know, to, to see bands in this area, but out that way, there's not. And out in the Oconomowoc area, um, it's going to be it's going to hold anywhere from I don't know three to five hundred people. It's going to be a big venue. So, good stuff from our friends over there at Steel Tank Brewing, Mike and, and Dave and everybody 
Uh, looking forward to getting that open as well. But keep supporting the local businesses and the local breweries. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. are heading to the postseason as well. Not just the Bucks, but the Admirals, too. Their season's winding down, getting ready uh, to head into the uh, Calder Cup playoffs. So uh, keep supporting the Milwaukee Admirals. Good crowds. they got a lot of good stuff. They've got uh, the uh, Stone Temple Pilots are coming to an after-game uh, after concert as well. So they still have some good concerts, some good promotional nights also. Uh, go to MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. That is MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. And uh, check out some good hockey action. Again, MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. And I just talked to Wojo yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, they uh, Wojo's uh, been with the team a long, long time. Just talked to him yesterday. So they're excited. Uh, they're excited about what's going on down there and the fact that they really believe that this, this – a couple of years ago they were on their way, man. They, they had a hell of a, a team, and I thought, boy, they could have – they could have really done some things and possibly won themselves a Calder Cup, and then COVID hit and it didn't happen and materialized. So now they're they're back and uh, doing extremely well. So uh, check out uh, check out the Milwaukee Admirals uh, because I, I I think there's some things there's something special going on down there. Just an FYI. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to find us? Feel free. Again, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Uh, would love to hear from you. You can also hit us up over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels at Bill underscore Michaels. You can hit us up a email. Also go to the Bill Michaels at gmail.com. That's the Bill Michaels at gmail.com. And a Darren did just that. He said, I would rather have the jets two second round picks than the first round. We need more players and not a first round diva. That's that wants big bucks. And that's from Smeet. Uh, the problem is with that argument, I understand what you're saying, but um, uh, first-round players don't hold out anymore. There's a tier of, of money you're going to get, and that's it. So you get first-round money, you get first 15-pick money, that kind of thing, and then that's it. There's, there's, uh, You don't get the, quote, divas holding out anymore. It's not, it's, uh, it's not that. So remember that, um, that they changed that a while, uh, like three, four years ago, that there was just – a uh, a certain tier of which you're going to get before you even come into the league because there was a lot of first round picks remember that were just holding out for more money and better deals and so they don't they don't really do that anymore uh this is from t-dub listening to us in tulsa t-dub says here's my take i personally value cap relief over draft capital for 2023 we are in a rebuild mode so few future picks are more valuable to me than the current draft choices uh, we already have a decent set of picks this year and we'll likely have a decent set of picks in 2024 as we continue to rebuild. This also gives the Packers a chance to see Jordan Love in action to make an assessment. If it looks like we need a quarterback, then we have more draft capital in 2024. If J-Love is solid, we can add weapons next year in the draft and have money for free agency. So I wait until June 1st, barring a major haul from another bidder, T-Dub in Tulsa. Um, if indeed, you know, that's what I've said. If if the Packers don't get what they want, then maybe that's where they go because maybe that's the – now, again, Brian Gutekinds has said, we'd rather have it now than later. 
if you wait another year, then you've got rookies that you're relying upon, and it's it's another year beyond that. So if Jordan Love is decent, then, yeah, you can get weapons next year, but then it's going to be probably two years before those weapons. Now you're talking a total of this year, then next year, and then a year after before those weapons start to come come to fruition. You see what I'm saying? Then you're really starting to push things down the road, and that's what happens is the cream doesn't rise to the top at the same time. So you're trying to get it all to come together and then all to grow together to where it finally crescendos into a championship-style team before you have to start you know, paying all these guys and piecemealing it out and, and, and cutting guys and trimming the salary and then you know, kind of starting again. So um, I, I, I really believe, with, like you said, with all the pieces they have uh, this year, they want to add to that, and they want to get a big haul that all grows between last year and this year. Okay? All those pieces come together over the next two years, and in two years, this team's ready to go rather than getting a ton next year and then hoping in two years after that it's all ready to go, you know? So I think that's the reason they'd like to see more picks now than later. That's just my opinion, but uh, but I, I get what you're saying. And if Jordan loves the real deal, then, you know, then it should all be fine anyway. But if he's not, then I agree with you. You have to start thinking about, you know, what you're going to do to supplement that quarterback position over the next couple of years. 877-867-1670. Our buddy Steve writes, uh, happy Wednesday. First of all, nice start for the Brewers. Watching them go back-to-back-to-back last night was fantastic. As I've said before, watching kids play with a passion, it's contagious throughout the clubhouse. I know it's early. There's going to be ups and downs. Uh, throughout a long season, but it's great to see them get off to a fast start. Let's hope Corbin Burns has a strong start today and they can play uh, broom ball with the Mets. I'd like to see the Bucks uh, go out tonight and clinch home court in the East. They didn't fare well last week in the back-to-backs, so let's hope tonight is better. The saga continues in Green Bay. I agree with you that it only takes one other team to get the ball rolling for Aaron Rodgers. On another front, it looks like Zedaria Smith is close to getting his wish and a release from the Vikings. Will the Packers be in the mix to possibly bring him back, or did he overstay his welcome? That's Steve and Richfield. Um, that's a great point. I don't know if his comments regarding the way he was treated would have – I don't think he's coming back. But if he has anything left in the tank, he would not be a bad stopgap while Rashawn Gary comes back. It just depends on what it's going to cost you. I mean, I know he was liked. He had a lot of bravado when he came here. But um, but that's a great question. And he loved playing with Preston Smith. So were they, are they capable of reigniting it? I don't think so. I, I don't think that happens. But it's certainly something that's intriguing. It depends. You also have to know behind closed doors how long Rashawn Gary's going to be down for. And if Gary's not going to come back, say, till the end of October – middle of November, that's that's a good portion of your season. So then you have to go out and get somebody. You probably want a veteran, and then you're probably going to draft another edge rusher as well. So if he's not going to cost you a ton of money, then, yeah, you go out and maybe uh, maybe make a run. You know, you look for those June 1st cuts and you make a run at them. Uh, wouldn't put it past them. But I just don't know how much of the uh, – you know, nobody was talking to me. They did me wrong. You know, and then the Packers obviously having a difference of opinion when it came to his back for the back surgery. You know, if they want to deal with that again, should he get injured, will he be there or not be there for the team? 
You know, maybe his beef was more openly with the leadership of Rodgers in the in the locker room than it was anybody else. Maybe he comes back and he becomes more. You you need that dominant figure. You know, you need that that. He, now he's got to be able to walk the walk, but you need that dominant figure in your locker room. So uh, that's that's a great question. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step off and uh, take a quick break. We're going to come back. We've got a lot more to get to. Hour and a half yet to go in the program. We'll also give you today's starting lineup for the Brewers. If you uh, still want to listen to us and maybe you have not switched over yet, the uh, Zone app in Madison, W-O-Z-N, the Zone. Download the app, and uh, you can find us there as well. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. It's a good day today. Enjoy myself. Just damn. Hey, our friends at Kemp's, they're uh, based in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. You know Kemp's, the dairy products have been all over uh, the grocery stores and probably in your home at one point or another. Great company to work for. And they are looking to hire, as a matter of fact. And they're looking for CDL drivers, and they're paying top dollar plus plus uh, bonuses and all that kind of stuff, bonus 401K, everything. But uh, they're also looking for people that are maintenance people. They're also looking for people that are production people. So if you are thinking about a career, if you're thinking about changing careers, getting your first job, they are interviewing right now. Go to Kemp's, K-E-M-P-S, Kemp's.com, Kemp's.com. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see the link that says careers. Click on that, and then go ahead and put all your information in, and they are calling people right now, today, and uh, lining uh, lining up interviews And uh, because they're looking to expand their workforce. As, you know, more and more people are, you know, I guess enjoying their products, for lack of a better term. But go to Kemp's.com, K-E-M-P-S, Kemp's.com. That's Kemp's.com. Click on Careers at the bottom of the page, and you are going to be good to go. That is Kemp's.com. I do want to talk a little Brewers baseball. Uh, I do want to get into that a little bit. uh, Brousseau today uh, at third base leading off. Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas at short. Batting second, Christian Yelich in left. Batting third, Contreras behind the plate. Batting fourth, Voigt at first base. A little bit different look of a lineup today. He is batting fifth, Anderson in right field. Batting sixth, Jesse Winker, the DH, batting seventh. Miller Miller uh, playing second, batting eighth, and batting ninth in center field. Weimer on the hill today, Corbin Burns, 12-40 first pitch, and I'm sure if you're uh, watching the live stream, you see, oh, man, that's not a, a great picture. It didn't white balance very well, but uh, the game is on behind me, so uh, we'll white balance here in just a little bit via the cameras. Uh, anyway, the uh, Gary says they just finished a completely different lineup on TV. Ben, is that uh, – that, well, that's what the Brewers put out. Brousseau, Adamas, Yelich, Contreras, Voigt, Anderson, Winker, Miller, Weimer, Burns. That's from the Brewers. So if they're doing it different on TV, then they must have made a change in the last minute or two because they just posted it, the Brewers did. Just posted it. So, Gary, there you go. Um, I never said Yelich is getting the day off. We said he's batting third. 
877-867-1670, uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, give us a shout. So going back to the Brewers, and I, I did want to get into this discussion, I mean, because I, I think it's I think it's warranted, to be honest with you. I mean, the uh, when you look at, and Travis brings this up, back-to-back-to-back Jacks, back-to-back-to-Jacks as well. Go Brewers. He's in a very excited season. And the Packers' upcoming season, there's something of an unknown watching the young players and the energy that they bring. I want to go back to, there was a, an article that was written. Now, Adam McCalvey brought this up, and he was talking about Mark Atanasio. And uh, he talks about how he found it interesting uh, in the, that in the postgame, Jesse Winker talked about the energy that these young guys are bringing to the clubhouse. And he said it's infectious. And this was one of the other things that uh, was stated uh, yesterday, I was listening to the uh, one of the postgame shows, and they were talking about some of the young players that are in the uh, in the clubhouse right now. These are the wide-eyed guys that are just just thrilled to be there. They're full of energy, but it's the speed of the game that people are noticing now. Maybe, and I'm not talking about the timing of the game. The fact that last night we had a game. I think the Marlins. It was a Marlins game that went one hour and 57 minutes. I mean, it was bang, 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 and it was done. And people are all, almost saying, whoa, wait a minute, now the games are going a little bit too fast, you know, because you're used to at least two hours. Some of the baseball games are going three hours, three and a half hours, and that's just a long time. An hour and 50 minutes, 57 minutes, that, that's, you know, you're sitting down, you're drinking a beer, you get your first hot dog, and boom, it's over. And I would assume, this was the other question, and, and this was brought up from from Mark, uh, who emailed me and said, with the games going so fast, does this cut into the profitability of the teams? And I thought, well, wait a minute, you're, you're timing everything. You don't have time anymore to run up to the concession stand, grab your $47 beer, your $67 hot dog, and then get back down, eat, and then get back up and get another one because the game's over, you know, unless you're just pounding beers. But how much profitability would that cut into by shortening the games? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what people consume per inning and all that kind of stuff or per between pitch. And But it used to be you could get up run to the bathroom uh, in between innings, uh, grab something to eat, and then come back, and you'd only miss maybe a half inning. Now you might miss an inning and a half, depending on the lines of the concession stands. So I don't know what, it, uh, as far as profitability-wise, it's cutting into. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that with the games going quicker, like last night, I was uh, went out to, uh, like I said, we went out to uh, the uh, junior national honor society induction ceremony and by the time i got out of it every and that was only like 20 minutes it was like three innings had gone by four innings had gone by and the game was almost over that quick it was i was like wow these things are motoring so now if you blink you could you could miss quite a bit of baseball it is nice to sit down and watch it on tv and know it's a two-hour game two and a half hour game at most i do notice that the programming off on like spectrum what i have at home they leave three hours and then the brewers post game and now the post game's over way before the post game even is supposed to begin on television and they got to have that programming filled so I, I i do find it kind of fun kind of fast a uh, little different it's taking a little bit of getting used to i don't like the rule about you're only allowed to throw over to first base or to a runner uh, twice, and if on the third time you don't get them, it's a balk. I hate that rule. I think it. I think that's stupid. Uh, but everything else, I've I've been enjoying. Ben, how have you liked the first week of baseball? Well, 
I love it because now I can do something with my life. But <laughs> I I think there are positives and there are negatives. And, and here's the thing. I kind of like we, we shouldn't overreact to the Brewers going undefeated in the first week uh-huh. or vice versa. I don't think we should overreact to what the rules look like at this point. Because as with most things, they'll evolve. And they'll probably see yeah. what works. They'll see what doesn't work. The players will adjust. Me as a as a baseball um as a baseball purist in some ways, I like the idea of the pitch clock and getting this the pace of the game going normally. I think it's awesome when nobody's on base. I have an issue with it when there are players on base. And the pickoff rule is part of that. Because as a pitcher, I, I think a great skill is being able to control the flow and the and the pace of the game when you have guys on base in order to get out of jams. I feel like we've we've seen scenarios across the league where as soon as a guy gets on first or second, not only do they have a much easier path to steal second base, but it's so much harder for the pitcher to slow the game down and get out of jams. It feels uh-huh. like they're kind of rushed, and then that kind of that that leads to the snowball effect, which yeah, is entertaining. But I'd like to see, like to see them move that clock to twenty-five or thirty, and not twenty with guys on and base. And I know, th- yeah, yeah, with guys on base, and, and I agree with you because. Uh, it's like watching the clock roll down to one second in the NFL knowing the defense has got the advantage. If you've got a, a pitcher watching a runner, and the runner's not only looking at the pitcher, but he's looking at the clock, knowing he's got to start his windup to get the ball out of his hand by zero, or it's a, it's a ball, he's got the advantage. And that's part of the, the gamesmanship I don't like. That you know, it, it it's a complete disadvantage for the pitcher. I get what they're trying to do, but there are those tension-filled moments that I think need to be organic and not forced via a clock. Exactly. So I, I, I think when know. you go into playoff time, if you go back to all the great playoff moments, how is the drama created? I, I go back to '04 when Dave Roberts was on first base against Mariano Rivera in the ALCS, yeah. and he steals second after almost getting picked off four times. But the tension was slowly building, and those pickoffs do that. So regular season's one thing, I get it. Come playoff time, I would love for a lot of the rules to kind of go away and for it to go back to normal. Because otherwise, like the beauty in golf, in my opinion, to draw a comparison, Mm -hmm. is the tension and the the context that's built in between shots where you're waiting for what's going to happen next. And if it just happens, then that kind of, it kind of makes the it kind of renders the moment obsolete in a way. I will say action wise via baseball and Kevin Holden brought this up on Monday that last year the first weekend of the year there were 22 stolen bases last year. This year in opening weekend there were 70. I mean it more than doubled. And the action on the base paths has been significant because of the larger base and the pitch clock and the inability for a pitcher to really hold you on more than two times. So that has uh, opened it up to more scoring, opened it up to more excitement, opened it up, you know, and, and also, you know, the other thing he brought up was now you become more valuable as a catcher. If you if you're a catcher with a good arm and you can throw out base dealers, you, you now catching is now back in season when it comes to making money. You know, if you're if you're the old setup of a guy like Johnny Bench, uh, man, oh, man, you are going to feast. Pudge Rodriguez, those guys, even Yadier Molina, who had a really good arm going down to second. You, those guys, those old bastions of catchers from the past, those guys, if they 
if they have good arms and good reflexes and good reaction, those guys are now going to start making some serious money because of the defensive prowess they're going to have to shut down scoring opportunities for pitchers. Yeah, so, that was I, me back in the day, believe it or not. Was that you? So that you makes me gunner, happy. Huh? Oh, defensive catcher couldn't hit for, for anything. I just grounded into errors <laughs> and, and played great defense. I could manage a pitching staff. Uh, let's do this. Uh, it is fun. It, I will say it is It is fun to watch. Um, the Brewers have been exciting getting off to a very fast start, and it, it has been fun to watch. So uh, that I will give you. 877 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, before we break, our good friends over at New Mail Medical reminding you that, uh, look, if you have ED, I'm sure you know it, your partner knows it, they can help. They can help. They are the first. They are the original. They are the best. They're the one everybody else is trying to emulate and impersonate. And, and it is it is the business that they have cultivated and the business that they have perfected. 414-455-4451. However, if you have low T, if you're in you know up and down moves, uh, if you got uh, if you're tired all the time, sluggish, putting on weight, they can help you out. Could be some low T or maybe the all-in-one weight loss program, which now they have taken to a whole new level. And, it, yes, it really, really, really does work. 414-455-4451. 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. That is the New Mail Medical Center. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. day outside if you're thinking about uh, the possibility of maybe heading off to a, a destination. I know in a couple of weeks, uh, Kristen and I are getting away. Uh, we're going to do a couple of different adventures, so to speak, but uh, put together by our friends at Cruise Planners. Uh, the, your land and cruise vacation planner, and I know there's a lot of areas, there's some consternation right now about where to go and whether things are safe and such, and Kirk has all of your answers, things that you do and don't want to do and all that kind of good stuff, uh, but give them a call because uh, not only is planning the destination and getting there and all that stuff, uh, you know, part of the part of the process, but also doing it safely and make sure you deal with somebody who knows what the hell they're talking about. Call Kirk, 262-344-0697. You can finance it. The trip of a lifetime. You can put a little bit of money down. You can finance it, or you can just pay it off as you go, whatever it happens to be. 262-344-0697. That's Cruise Planners, 262-344-0697, and tell them we sent you. Uh, a lot of good stuff coming in about the Milwaukee Brewers, and this one's uh, from Brewer Dave who says, this team is just fun to watch. The energy is palpable. Just watching through my television, I can't wait to get down to Miller Park. Miller Park, he says. And, um, excuse me, watch a Brewers home game. Steve, appreciate it. Um, it, it, it is – it is something we discussed. Um, it it's just it's fun. I, I you know we can lay all these adjectives on it, and make it you know this this great thing. But it's just uh, as I've said before, I'm going to wait until middle June before I make uh, an overall assessment as to how things are going. But also I'm going to say that just enjoy it. You know, Brewers going for the sweep today. I know. Uh, you know, not getting off to a – I don't know what the, they have done here in the first inning. Uh, I can turn around and take a look. The Brewers 
Uh, oh, no, Corbin one nothing Burns Mets. did give up a run. one nothing Mets. Corbin Burns did give up a run. I know that, uh, you know, he had a couple on, and I didn't get a chance to see the end of the inning, but uh, they're done with the inning, and the Brewers are trailing one to nothing. But nevertheless, I mean, it's just been really fun to watch. And, uh, and Dave says uh, Corbin Burns has lost it. Does that, this mean his price is going to go down? He's a game and an inning into the season. To say he's lost it is a <laughs> You talk about overreaction. Holy crap. Massive overreaction. But, no, the Brewers are just a fun team to watch. No, he's trying to pitch uh, himself to a hometown discount. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I think people are hoping for. Don't necessarily buy that, but I think that's what people are hoping for. I'll go along with that. Kind of like Yelich. Uh, uh, yeah, right? He just hoped it. Well, I don't even want to go there. Never mind. Uh, by the way, some other games in progress. Uh, the Cubs and the Reds are scoreless. Uh, they Actually, they are in a rain delay. They were supposed to start a little while ago, and it is raining, much like the rain we got here. They're getting that down in the Queen City. Yankees won to nothing over the Phillies. What the hell? Phillies finally got a win, Ben. Were you giddy last night? I was relieved. <laughs> you were hoping happy. it wasn't going to be an 0-13 season start? Hey, something worse than that, Bill. Yeah. My mind was going a lot of places. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Rays right now 3-1 to one over the Nationals. The Twins... Uh, falling to the Marlins right now, one to nothing midway through four. The Braves on top of the Cardinals, four to nothing. Cardinals sitting at two and three on the season. Uh, the Red Sox hosting the Pirates, uh, top of the second. They're scoreless, and the Mets right now on top of the Brewers, down in American Family Field, uh, one to nothing. And it's just the bottom of the first. So, you know, there you go. Not a bad way to go. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. And yes, the uh, lineup we gave you earlier is the lineup that is out there. Rousseau, Adamus, Yelich, Contreras, Voigt, Anderson, Winker, Miller, Weimer, and uh, Corbin Burns is on the hill. So there you go. Corbin Burns uh, gave up a, a hit, had a strikeout, had a walk, and also gave up a run early on. So it's way too early to start, you know, talking about the possibility of losing this ballgame. Uh, 877-867-1670. Let's get back to the phone calls. Let's go to Chris listening to us in Oshkosh. Chris, how you doing, man? What's up? Hey, Bill. Uh, I'm doing great. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, you bet. Yeah, I got a comment, and, and then um, I was kind of hoping to hit on a, a question, sort of a theory. But, uh, yeah, uh, so the comment, going back to that one caller, or no, not caller, he was uh, maybe an emailer, possibly your Twitterati, uh, mentioned, you know, maybe not wanting a, their first-round pick, uh, being a diva kind of a thing. I, I was more thinking he was regarding when it comes contract time, not that initial draft thing, because we all know that you pretty much get the scale. But uh, I, you know, anybody that's drafted in the first round, a lot of times thinks they're 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 the thing, you know. So mm-hmm. I, maybe that's where the guy was going, saying, you know, the two second round picks, he'd rather have them because they're maybe a little more humbled. But uh, that was just the comment. Um, and regarding, you know, if I was Goody now, I don't know, call it a butt dial, call it whatever, but you got to do your due diligence here. But I started looking at that draft order, and if the Jets, if they start getting weird with you come day one, and this is still not settled. And hopefully, maybe in the background, you've accidentally had that butt dial conversation with Bill Belichick. You look at where their draft is. Their second rounder is right behind you, uh, 46. They got a third rounder, which is 76. And then you can obviously work on whatever you want to talk about next year. But, boy, you want to talk about getting a spurned lover. I mean, if those Jets try pulling something on you, you don't really mm-hmm. – you, you just don't appreciate it, you know? Um, right. You know, think about what you do to the Jets in the division. I mean, you you want to 
call their bluff, man. I mean, wow, you could have that all set up. And I know Milicic over the years has always said he loves Rogers, so I could actually even get behind that. If that actually happened, I would I would kind of like Gudekuns for doing that. Kind of just thinking, boy, man. How great is that? And I give them a yeah. pass then on what you're saying with the future. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Uh, good point. We'll talk about it when we come back because there's a caveat to that. There's a caveat. Could the Green Bay Packers and Gutekinds call up Bill Belichick and say, Hey, Bill, Jets are screwing us. How would you like to screw them? There's one problem with that. I'll tell you what it is when we come back. Stay tuned. we got uh, still another hour yet to go. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.